my nerd side is having a problem this morning because one of the coolest rockets out there is about to launch in 10 minutes. And I'm smart, but I am not smart enough to record a conversation with you on this podcast and try to sneak a peek of watching this rocket launch at the same time. Well, where is the rocket launch? Where is it? It's, it's out of Florida. Okay. Yep, it's for the Space Force. It's a classified satellite launching on one of the most powerful rockets to date. And the really cool thing about this is that the side boosters come down and they land vertically right back at the launch pad. Hey, that's cool. episode of the Church's Messy Podcast, we enjoy a conversation about Jesus and the woman at the well and draw on some applications about how we can be inspired to trust who he is, move towards the messes, and engage with people who may be different than us. We will geek out over the Rockets later, uh, but now we're kind of geeking out over, I guess, week five of the Regifting series. One of, uh, I said, I don't, I don't know that I have a favorite account from Jesus's life, mm-hmm. but this one certainly ranks up there. Um, I've been preaching this passage for solidly twenty-five years, mm. and I just keep finding more every time I dig. I I love this encounter. Mm-hmm. I think it's I, I, I think it's beautiful. I think it's challenging. Um, it is immensely relevant, and it only seems like it increases in value for me the more I dig into and study mm. it. Yeah, you brought out details that I thought were really, really helpful to to bring this color this this story to color. Hmm. Um, hmm. What stood things, out for you? Yeah, yeah, I'd never never really thought about the comment that Jesus had to go through Samaria. You know, it made sense to me that Jesus would do that. That'd be the kind of thing he could do. But when you pointed out that he had to go through Samaria, but it wasn't because he was in a rush. He had the flexibility, the time to take two days to stay there. Mm-hmm. And so the reason he had to go that way wasn't uh, a time pressure, but that he truly was being intentional about wanting to meet with this woman yeah. and the impact that would have. Yeah, yeah. That was beautiful. Yeah, I love that too, um, that, you know, that, that Jesus is, for all the things that are going on and all the things that he's focused on, that he is, and I know I'm gonna. This is gonna sound like preacher speak, but he would go out of his way to make his way to that one person. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! And to think that I think that that's part of how we should understand when we read Philippians two and Jesus considered um, um, equality that his status as God not to be used to his own advantage, but to to basically give up all of those rights and privileges to take on being a servant so that he could so that he could save us. He mm. went out of his way to make his way to to each and every uh, every every one of us. This is this is profound and it's and, incredibly encouraging. And I don't want Jesus to be this kind of distant abstract idea. Jesus is a is a, is a person who should be loved and who loves us mm-hmm. and we can we can know him and be known by him. And he is he, Jesus is what makes God immediately present. Mm. So God is transcendent above and beyond and behind the universe, and yet immediately present at the same time and knowable through Jesus. And I listen. I I geek out about that. I I never stop losing interest over that. Well, it's just it's so encouraging to acknowledge the intentional strategy mm. that Jesus employed in the Gospels, but how he continues to do that. Like you said, he's he's not just this abstract force out there. Yeah. He is a person, and he continues uh, as as being intimately involved in our lives. And, sure. and how often I've enjoyed talking with someone about their story, and and to 
realize how so many of the things that happen to us in our life might feel like they don't make sense or have any kind of a logical progression at the time. But when you look backwards on your life, you can see how God brought you through so many different unique experiences in a way that that with the perspective of hindsight, you can see how he yeah. was being intentional Absolutely. about providing experiences and, and exposure and, and relationships and connections. And, and yeah, our God is a God of intentional strategy. Yeah. You know, I've got I've people who I love and people who I've read and uh, they fixate on how to know what God is up to and kind of discerning the will of God. And maybe there's value uh, in that. I don't want to, I don't want to chase that rabbit trail, but but my response is always, I don't think we see God through the windshield as much as we do through the rearview mirror. Mm. It's just easier to see what he has been doing when we look back. Mm-hmm. It's harder to understand as we look forward. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's tremendous comfort in, in, in looking back, tremendous clarity in looking back. I think we should spend more time doing that. Well, this story is a fun example of sure. that because to, to, if Jesus were to tell his disciples, hey, we're going to go through this region, which mm-hmm. is going to be very uncomfortable, mm-hmm. kind of destabilizing. And we're going to go talk with the most scandalous woman we can find. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have believed that that was a wise idea. And yet, because of what happened, an entire community came to know the gospel. Absolutely. It, they just had to be... So there's a couple of... Th- at least two things I want to talk about here. They just had to be taken through it. They, If Jesus would have given them an introduction, uh, some sort of preamble, or, hey, let me, let me ease your anxiety... I probably wouldn't have landed as strongly for them. It probably wouldn't have molded and shaped them as, as as much as the approach that Jesus took. And I think maybe part of our response is, Jesus, if you want to lead me through something, you don't have to tell me what you're doing hmm. ahead of time. If it disrupts me, it disrupts me. If it challenges me, it challenges me. If it offends me, that's okay too, because I trust you. You're the leader. You've already proven that I can trust you. And so lead me, not just to ever, to, to whatever place you want me to go, but in whatever way you want me to get there, because I know that you were forming me, mm. and I know that you're you're reshaping me, and I, I, I need that. And so I'm going to complain. Let me just say it. I'm going to complain. I'm going to whine. <laughs> I'm going to do all the things, but I, but I know it's good for me. Does that make sense? It, you know, one of the, I thought one of the most provocative moments mm-hmm. of the message, one of the, the most uncomfortable moments was when you gave the analogy of what it would be like if if we were downtown and we discovered that you were checking into a hotel with someone who wasn't Heather and yeah. and how immediately we would jump to to a, a uh, unsavory conclusion. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And that that's probably what the disciples were thinking and feeling when they saw Jesus talking with this woman um, it was a very uncomfortable moment, but I appreciated that you put us in that headspace so that we could understand the the nature of this conversation that Jesus had with her. Yeah, I mean, so what is it like to be the disciples in that moment? I think that there's 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 value there. They're probably wondering, is Jesus not the guy who we thought he was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they're, I mean, they're just scrambling. I mean, it's so it. They might have felt over what might have been maybe one of the reasons that they didn't ask anything wasn't just because they were afraid or they didn't know what Jesus would say, is it was more than they could handle in the moment. They just they did not know how to engage it. And then and then on the the other side, from the perspective of the woman, is is what Jesus is communicating all the all the social rules, all the cultural norms, all the restrictions, all the discriminations, all the mindsets and attitudes that are at play, they're not going to dictate to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to allow them um, to 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 drive me to dishonor you or to be distant from you. 
I'm going to love you. I'm going to value you. I'm going to share this gospel with you. Uh, I'm going to let you know that God is here in the flesh offering friendship to you, that Jesus would not let any of those things uh, dictate to him or, 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 or to, to impede what he, he was about. And so I think that had to, that had to communicate volumes to her mm-hmm. um, that people were used to keeping her at arm's length. She was she was used to not being accepted, used to being excluded. And here's a man, because of her reputation, and here's a man who risked his reputation to value and love her. And and there's 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 probably a lot of a lot of things that we could talk about that. Like how does that immediately apply to us? Um, so I mean we're we're in the ministry. We I, our our reputation is important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our character is more important. Uh, but our reputations are important. If we don't have, if we don't have a trustworthy reputation, how can we do? How can we engage in ministry? So there's a real tension there that I, I don't know that I'm. Well, uh, I do want you yeah. to say a little bit more about that. Be, not even, I mean, you, and you can take it in the direction of, for those of us in ministry, but maybe even just for those of us as Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the the commonly passed down wisdom is to avoid any appearance of evil in the way that we conduct ourselves and, and in who we engage with. So how do we find that appropriate balance between avoiding anything that has the risk of sniffing off while still wanting to be people who are capably moving towards messes to share the love of Jesus with those who uh, who might be a little bit on the fringe? Yeah, I don't know that I'm smart enough, wise enough, or a good enough communicator um, to diffuse anxiety, tension, frustrations that people might have. I'm just going to give you the best answer that I have. Okay. And uh, if it's if it if it doesn't get the train all the way to the station, listen, that's an inadequacy with me, not an inadequacy with 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 Jesus or or His wisdom. But that, but I'll give you the best that I got. It's one of the bigger disclaimers <laughs> I've ever heard you give. But okay, go for it. I'm trying to live my life with this question, what does love require of me? Mm. And I'm not going to let somebody else's misperceptions keep me from loving somebody else. I'm not going to let somebody's misperceptions uh, keep me from doing what I'm convinced is right, wise, and best. Mm. And if you don't like it, if if you're going to judge me or if you're going to gossip or you're going to... Listen, I can live with your disappointment. You know whose disappointment I don't want to live with? I don't want to live with Christ's disappointment. Yeah. I don't want I listen, I listen, I, I know that I'm safe in Christ. All my sin is covered by what Jesus did on the cross. Um, that I'm that I'm a co-heir with Christ. But I, I want him to say, well done. Listen, I, I want him to say, I want him to to be able to say to me, <clears throat> you trusted me and you followed me. And when you had to make a tough call, you chose. You, you chose to go with love and serving and sacrificing for the other person instead of preserving your reputation at all costs. Mm. And as we look through both the Old and New Testament, we see there are times um, that people risk their reputation and they were just okay with that. I think about the time that David was worshiping and dancing and his wife didn't like <laughs> it and, you know, thought it was embarrassing and just like, listen, I'm... <laughs> I, I can live with your disappointment. Yeah. Um, think about think about all the times that Jesus was just comfortable living with people's disappointments. I'm sure people were really upset with him for going to Zacchaeus's house when he went to Zac. Hey, I'll mm-hmm. live with your disappointment. I'm going to love this dude. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It, it, does that offer a measure of clarity? 
Well, I do like the perspective of being more concerned about what God thinks than mm-hmm. about what other people think. Yeah. I think that's helpful. And here's the here's the cool thing. We get to explain why. I could say, hey, listen, if someone says, hey, this appeared that way, I could say, totally understand. You had some concerns. This is why I was doing what I was doing. If our entire life always looks shady to other people, well then, listen, <laughs> it's probably time to sub- really submit to some, some real accountability. But if there are moments... And people say, oh, you know, someone might misunderstand if we do this. But what's the right thing to do? What's the loving thing to do? What's the Jesus-like thing to do? Let's do that. And if people don't understand, they don't understand. I'll be okay with that. If people always being okay and applauding um, everything that we do, if that's the standard, Jesus could not live up to that standard. So why would I put that standard on myself? Hmm. Yeah, not even that Jesus couldn't live up to it. Jesus didn't want that. That wasn't his Absolutely. goal. <laughs> sure. And I imagine if I'm listening to this, if, I, if I'm listening to this, I have a lot of the, uh, okay, but what about questions? What about this scenario, that scenario? I, I, mean, that's not, I don't know that we can cover any well, or all like of those. Well, I do like the filter of what does love require. Yeah. I think that's a, a helpful way to work through some of those issues. Mm-hmm. And for those who are relatively new, um, maybe to, to Autumn Ridge or this podcast or listening to me preach or teach, uh, it's what does it mean to love God? Um, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and what does it mean to love our neighbor as ourselves? And Jesus is the one who defines what love is, not us. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about going with what feels right in the in in the moment. He is the definer, and we are following it based on his his definition. Mm-hmm. Another point in the sermon that uh, that got some uh, eyebrows raised probably was when you were talking about the way that Jesus moved towards the messes, mm. how he called the woman out. Yeah or her, the, the things in her past, mm-hmm. and, and in a way that risked feeling a little bit confrontational, but clearly by the way the woman reacted, she was able to, to hang in there with him. There was something about him that kept her engaged, even as she kind of sidestepped the issue a little bit. She, she didn't walk away offended. And, no. and yet, yeah. and, and that's a, a value of ours here at Autumn Ridge, is we want to move towards messes, in people's lives. And and yet, uh, right from the stage, you, you uh, started looking at friends you saw out there and you're yeah. ready to call someone out on, on their messy life. That's yeah. probably not the right way to do it. Yeah. Or is this Jesus being rude or condescending or judgmental? If we're going to be like Jesus, should we also point out the, you know, flaws and, and failures in people's lives? And so I had a, with people that I knew, I, I, I took some, took some liberties from the, from the stage. Yeah. But you know, what, what's interesting is that Jesus didn't say, um, Hey, um, you know, you're a mess, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> he didn't say, Hey, you're a failure at marriage. Mm. He, what, what did he say? He said, go get, go call your husband. And he gave her an opportunity to respond with openness and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And she could have gone all kinds of different ways with that. And she chose just to be honest. One commentator pointed out, it's actually the fewest amount of words that she uses. Notice how, mm. notice how, um, talkative she is. But with that one, she just says, I have no husband. Interesting. I hadn't noticed that before. That's yeah. a fun detail. Yeah. And so that tells me that it was a something about it kept her from lying. She's honest, but she's guarded at the same time. Honest and guarded at the same time. Jesus had won her trust enough. Mm-hmm. She was honest, but but still but still guarded. And then Jesus responded to the honesty and vulnerability that she shared with him in that moment. He didn't lead with that. He had the knowledge, but he didn't lead with that knowledge. He let he let her open the door and then he he responded to that. And I, I think there's some I think there's some real wisdom in that. Mm. 
mm-hmm. think there's some real relational wisdom uh, in, in, in that. And so... Um, so what application points could you draw from that in the way that we can address messy things with other people in a way that is honest and yet not threatening or off-putting? Well... I'll do my best here. I, I know that there are people who are far better at this than me. One of the things that I've noticed is in my years of being a pastor, but when I when I meet with folks, and this is normal, and so if people are like, "Hey, you're talking about me when you met with me," I'm just going to say, "Hey, this is <laughs> like par for par for the course. This is normal in a thousand different um, coffees or conversations mm-hmm. that I that I've had with folks." Is we'll set aside, "Hey, we can meet for an hour. Meet for an hour and fifteen minutes." And for 50 minutes, it is um, it's it's real stuff, but it's but it's not the deep stuff. And in the last few minutes, cracks the door, and this is what's really it's what's what's really what's really going on. And and so I think part of the application is is whatever time it takes to build trust with folks that they're willing to open up. Be patient. Mm. Mm-hmm. I like that. And I don't know that the, what we read in John covers, I think everything that we read in John is an accurate um, and true account of what they said, but I don't know it covers everything that they said. I mean, there might have been more to the conversation. Maybe sure. this is maybe this is representative. I don't know. It could have it, it the conversation could have been longer. What reads to us like it's 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 a few minutes. It could have been 45 minutes. I sure. don't know. Um but Jesus was we, we've talked about how he's an intentional how he sought her out it's like he he set the pieces on the board in such a way that he was guaranteeing that he would get to have a moment of engaging this woman he was incredibly honoring uh, he was respectful he was gentle he was he was kind uh, he was shocking in how kind he was and um I think he was patient that he he created a moment where she could either um, hide and be dishonest or be honest, and in that moment, she was honest, and he responded to that honesty. And so, I think we, I think we could be the same way with folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, part of it is just uh, being engaging, uh, being interested in people, and being patient and not be pushy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked the the point you made about that Jesus was interesting because he was interested. Yeah, in her, that yeah. there was something that he was communicating to her about. I'm genuinely appreciating who you are, even if I don't agree with everything about your lifestyle, Mm -hmm. there's something in you that I see as valuable Mm -hmm. and that that was very compelling to her in the way that she chose to continue to to interact with Jesus. Some of the things about her, I I can't relate to from my lived experiences. I I, I just don't know. Like, I don't know what it was like to be um, African-American and the pre-civil rights and, you know, there's separate water fountains. Uh, I, I have a, a man that I know who is a, a, a pastor and really a leader of pastors in Southern India. He's, he's from, uh, he's, he's a Dalit. And so he's at the, the lowest, he's at the lowest caste. And, and so even at pastor's conferences in, in India, there was a time early on in his ministry, uh, that he would get up to speak. And then after he spoke, someone would come in and wipe down the stage wow. and, the, and the lectern and everything so that there would be like, 
And so it was totally clean for the next person to come up because they're at a wow. different social. It's like, I just don't, I don't know what it's like to be treated different because of my race or because of my socioeconomic status or because of my gender or because of my beliefs or anything. I, I just don't know. I don't know what that's like. Like, mm-hmm. I know what it's like to be the new kid at school and to walk out of the <laughs> lunch line and not know where to sit and feel alone. That's about mm-hmm. as close as I can get mm-hmm. to that. I don't, I, I just don't have the background to know what it's like to, to have the kind of experiences that this woman would have mm-hmm. e- experienced. And then to hear Jesus essentially say, I'll share that water jug with you. Yeah. Whoa, how powerful is that? And I, I can recognize it, but I don't have the history to to appreciate it as much as she and, and probably many others have the ability to. So I've encountered some people who seem to be able to do that naturally. They're just genuinely interested in other people and seem to be particularly interested in people who are different than them. Mm-hmm. But they're kind of the minority. It, it seems that the the more typical experiences that we just naturally gravitate to people who are like us. Um, so can you can you give us any any encouragement, any points for how we can uh, do a better job of being intentional about wanting to engage and interact with people who are quite different than us? I wish I could. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I listen there. There, uh, I like. I think my wife is miles ahead of me, and, and things like this. My daughter is miles ahead of me, and things like this. A lot of people that I know, I feel like, are just miles a- ahead of me uh, on this. I will share with you some, a couple of things uh, that, have, that have been challenging to me. One is, um, somebody I, I know used to say this, there, there are two kinds of people. There, there are people who walk in the room and say, here I am. And then there are the kinds of people who walk in the room and say, there you are. Hmm. And I, I really want to be a there you are kind of person. Hmm. And for all of those out there who you feel like you're like me and it doesn't necessarily come naturally, it's okay to acknowledge it as a discipline disciplines are good. Mm-hmm. Like we would never beat someone up and say, what, are you eating healthy because you're choosing to eat healthy even though you would rather eat a chocolate cake right now? What is wrong with you? You <laughs> should just want to eat healthy. We don't do that. What do we do? We say, hey, good for you. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, there are all kinds of things in life when people choose to engage in discipline because they want good for themselves and good for others. We celebrate and we don't beat them up. If you are the kind of person and you're just naturally like me and these things don't they're not your default setting. Don't beat yourself up. It is a sign of, of God at work in your life that you even want to engage in the discipline. So let's just celebrate that. Mm-hmm. Does that sound good? And so focus on um, listening to other people. And here's the second thing. I think asking questions is tremendous. Just work on asking asking questions and um, truly and listening to what people are saying and ask questions based on based on that. And for some people, it comes easily. Uh, for some people, that's just, uh, that's either how God's blessed them or they're just far more mature than me. For me, it was, it, it's been a lifelong struggle to grow in this area. I remember. But it's encouraging to hear that it is something that, that one can grow in. It's not that you're just locked to your default personality type in this, but it is a skill that can be exercised and strengthened and improved. Absolutely. I, I think so. I mean, this is how messed up I am. I, I remember, <laughs> I can remember going, um, going to pick somebody up 
Um, and we were, it was kind of like a date, not really a date. And then we were going to meet some other people and like just the conversation and being interested wasn't, um, it didn't come naturally to me. So I just, I would come up with a list of things that these are that I'm going to ask. And <laughs> hopefully something just clicks in, um, because I have to have a, I have to have like a scripted way to engage. Uh-huh. And for the longest time, for the longest time, that's how, that's how I, how I operated, I would get so much anxiety about going to someplace new or being around a crowd of people. Um, it, listen, I, I hated going someplace new without my without my wife being there. Like I just needed somebody else who had the skill who could help me who could help me engage. And I don't know yeah. if that sounds weird because no, I laugh, I smile. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with identification. I get it. <laughs> okay, and so I don't know if this comes from from just being an introvert. I don't. I don't think it's necessarily just introversion. But I feel like I had a lot of hurdles to get over with with things that I that I went through when I was young. Um, so I just, I just reading uh, books like Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. I think mm-hmm. it's incredibly helpful. Yeah. Um, books like Search for Significance are incredibly helpful. Being around people who do this well, mm-hmm. incredibly, incredibly helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't even know if I'm answering this question. I, I feel like this is almost <laughs> word salad. I'm just train of con- stream of no, consciousness you were, you right were, now. You were on point, on okay. point. But let's look at the end of the story because there is something so beautiful about the end of this story. We've identified several beautiful things about Jesus in this story, but I think the woman deserves some recognition mm-hmm. for how she takes this conversation with Jesus and her immediate instinct is to run back and share Jesus with all of the same people who have mistreated her. She has to share it with people. That I've, just blew me away. And yeah, all the people who contributed to her being excluded, she wanted to make sure they're included with Jesus. She's and that's got, incredible. I know. I know. It's like instantaneous transformation. And listen, I don't mind walking into a minefield. This woman was preaching, <laughs> she was preaching. And I don't think she just went and preached to children and women. <laughs> she went and she went and just shared the gospel, and it's her testimony. I mean, and she's just she's proclaiming. Yeah, she's not standing up at a at a lectern on a on a Sunday morning, um, teaching you know revealed scripture. She's just telling people about Jesus and what she's learned from Jesus and what's available in Jesus, and come check out Jesus. And it's. It, it it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. It, it is it is a beautiful thing. I well, re- and she deserves some credit too. That the response that we have recorded here for us, mm-hmm. when the people do meet Jesus, they don't say, "Okay, now that you've brought us to Jesus and we got to meet Him first, now we believe in Him." They do say that we that they had believed because of what she had said first. She was compelling. She was compelling. They believed. They believed her. Mm-hmm. They trusted her. They came because of their experience and encounter with her. And then it pivoted to, now we know for ourselves. Mm-hmm. This is an amazing thing. I mean, it is an amazing thing. As you read and as you read in Acts, I think it's, I might get the chapter number wrong, but I think it's Acts 8. Um, we read about basically a revival that takes place in Samaria as the gospel is preached. And it's probably um, that this... It, can be traced back to beginning with this woman and her preaching to her town, them coming and following Jesus, begging him to stay. And um, there, the the story of Jesus and the gospel is spreading. And so that when uh, disciples are sent out to preach the gospel there, people are ready to mm-hmm. receive. It's, a, it's an mm-hmm. amazing thing. Yeah. Well, the whole thing speaks to how we can truly trust Jesus in this whole story of mm-hmm. how 
what he set out to do didn't make sense, who he encountered didn't mm-hmm. make sense, how he drove the conversation didn't necessarily make sense, but the result was glorious. Absolutely. And not only could we trust him, the person who he transformed became a trustworthy character as well. Absolutely. Think about <clears throat> it's all this maybe one of the reasons that I love this story so much is Jesus essentially kicks over every cultural norm and expectation mm-hmm. that would have been put on him by others. And he, <laughs> he just knocks them all over. And is is it is it is about uh we're gonna have our, our missions festival here in a couple of weeks and we we call it love is the agenda. Jesus shows us that was his agenda was to love. And and so that people would know that and be brought into to his love and not in a way that glossed over sin. There's not. There's nothing about Jesus that glossed that glossed over sin. I mean, you see in his conversation with her, he gets honest about real disagreement and he corrects bad thinking and and bad theology. But he was driven by love, mm. and I love Second Corinthians five fourteen. We're compelled. It's the love of Christ that uh, that that compels us. And that sometimes, sometimes there are things in culture, sometimes there are things in attitudes, behaviors, thinking, whatever, that gets in the way of that. And following Jesus says, "No, we're just gonna, we're just gonna jump over that. We're gonna knock that over. We're gonna keep going. We're not gonna let that. Uh, we're not gonna let that deter us." And I think, may, maybe now more than ever, this is something that we really need to marinate in, uh, because we live in a time when people want to draw hard lines and figure out who's in and who's out and who are the good guys and who are the bad guys, and who are going to be the people who say, "You know, what? I'm not going to be defined by all these other barriers and boundaries. I'm going to move towards everyone." And share the love that I've received from Jesus with everyone I encounter, regardless of differences that there might be between us. That's something our world needs. Well said. Well, I would love to just let's leave it right there. I think that's a a great way to wrap up this conversation that I've enjoyed very much this morning, Rick. Thanks so much. All right. We'll be back next week for the final installment of the Regifting series. Looking forward to it. 